0: Welcome back to another edition of Lead Singer Syndrome. 2020 is almost over. Hell yeah! I'm excited about it. 2021, gonna be good, I think. Really could not be any worse than 2020. Although, I will say here, where I live in Ontario, Canada... Our cases are higher than ever, and everything is on lockdown. However, I'm staying positive, just like my friend Chris Cresswell, who joins the show today, a guy who's been referenced countless times on this thing by punk rock legends, and he's working his way there himself. You probably know him from his band, The Flatliners, but... He also is now a member of Hot Water Music. That's pretty cool. He also plays in punk rock supergroup Scorpios. So he's got a lot going on. Oh, and solo stuff too. Can't forget about that. But he's just a lovely person, a great human being, a guy that, you know, we're from the same area. He's a bit younger than me. I didn't realize that. So maybe that's why I didn't know him so well when I was younger. But whenever I see him, I'm just like, I love that guy. I want to get him on the show. And here he is with a great episode. Stay tuned for that. But before we get into that, I want to remind you, of course, you can always get in touch with me. You can send me an email. It is leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read them all. However, I have been very busy lately. I am right now almost at the end of what I'm calling 12 days of Christmas lockdown on Twitch. So I've been going on Twitch Every single day, doing everything from acoustic songs to live podcasts to literally just riffing on my guitar with the ant cranked up in the middle of the night. That's a thing I did last week. So check out my Twitch channel. Uh, It's a lot of fun. I really like the platform. Uh, And of course, every Wednesday, me and Mike Howell, we're on there talking about the new shit. So it is twitch.tv slash Told. If you want to help out the show, of course, we have the All Access Club. And now a new perk of the All Access Club, in addition to all the other stuff with bonus episodes and merchandise and everything else. Now you get the Twitch videos. The Only place to get them is through the All Access Club. So check that out as well. It is Lee Singer Syndrome.com slash all access. And really, that's about it. Christmas? I don't have much news. It was real chill. And you know, As much as it was weird and I wouldn't want to do it that way every year, maybe once every 39 years for me, it was okay to have a little relaxing one and not have to travel and stress about food and gifts and everything. And New Year's, which is happening tomorrow, that's going to be really mellow. Although I will say I've been doing the mellow New Year's thing for a few years now, like not go crazy, don't drink a hundred beers. Hey, turns out starting the new year, not hungover, it's a pretty good move, but we'll see what happens this year. No, all bets are off 100% (laughs) for New Year's 2020, but here's to 2021. I'm excited about it. So we got Twitch. We got Chris coming on in a second. We got the All Access Club and Happy New Year to everybody, especially my sinners all over the world. I love you. I love you so much. We've been doing this thing for five years. It just warms my heart. Thank you so much. And I know 2021 is going to be super awesome. So let's get into it. Here it is, my final podcast of the year and my conversation with Chris Cresswell of the Flatliners.
1: Dude. Like yeah, you got a whole the whole setup behind you is sick, dude. Oh
0: thanks. Yeah, I, I was putting it together over the over the quarantine redoing my basement here. And yeah. uh yeah, it's been it's been cool. Yeah, people are always like, Lead Singer syndrome, why do I have so many fucking guitars? <laughs> <laughs> what do they want?
1: You just have microphones on the wall right? <laughs> That would be too funny. Just a bunch of like fucking thousand dollar rib- ribbon mics just as <laughs> just as decorations. <laughs> I
0: think that would be a lot worse, man. Hello everyone. I'm here with Mr. Chris Creswell. How's it What's going, Chris? Up? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. I'm I'm good. I'm really good. I uh good. yeah, you know, just enjoying my my week. Uh the the lead up to to Christmas, which, you know, I'd say usually in my life it's kind of a crazy week, like there's so much yeah. to do kind of chill this week, this year. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, dude. I know. It's maybe, like, it's a sad thing when you dissect it, but at face value, it's maybe one of the more chill things coming from this year. Is
0: like... Right. The
1: folks that have blended families or divorced parents or are married and have multiple families to go see all that kind of stuff, all those good problems to have, I suppose, Uh, you know, in a way they, they keep you really busy. Right. So maybe this year it's some people are actually getting some rest when they normally wouldn't.
0: Yeah. Well, well, my, um, uh, my sister lives in Las Vegas and she's got three kids. And I guess the oldest one is, uh, 15 now, you know, so pretty much my whole thing is every year, the whole family goes to Las Vegas and, you know, I'm bringing all these gifts on the plane and I have to get ready and do all that and and you know stay out there so it's usually like a whole thing and this year totally totally not doing that can't do that yeah. they're not coming yeah. here like I guess on the 24th 25th we'll have a Zoom call um yeah you know and it's it's okay I guess you know it is what it is we got to be safe especially here in Ontario where we both live it's like the numbers are getting scary and we're full on lockdown as of full on, as of the dude. 26th
1: yeah. yeah yeah it's wild so wait so you've been going to vegas for christmas for the last like several years just like hitting the bellagio fountain <laughs> and all that stuff like that's so cool man dude 100 percent. That's, 100%. You're, you're, that's you're, you're living like a griswold dude. dream right there
0: <laughs> that's so funny it's so true yeah like and, and pretty much you know with my sister like she's got like a decent house and everything but you know in, in vegas they don't have basements you know she's got three kids yeah. so there's not usually really like I could stay on a couch, but yeah, usually I just grab a hotel. Sometimes, yeah. like I'm on the strip by myself, just like <laughs> weird on on Chris. Like you know, Christmas Day we'll hang out, and that at nighttime, like I'm just chilling, like fucking yeah, dude, playing That's some right. craps. I um, was gonna say <laughs> craps is my table game. on Christmas, man. I love craps, so okay. uh, yeah, uh, no, absolutely, and I do that like every year. So uh, it's it's it is funny. It's a funny place for to visit family. You know, it's yeah. uh, it's not bad though. I'll take it.
1: No, I bet. That's a neon holiday right there. That's cool,
0: man. I back it. Get out of the winter for a little bit too, man.
1: Like, I mean, it's funny, like when I talk to friends in, you know, like Australia, especially around Christmas and if like we're FaceTiming or whatever, I just like, I'm looking out, like I'm looking like in the outdoor scene they're in behind them, but just at a frame like, what? This is crazy. I I can never wrap my head around the fact that, I, I mean, obviously it, you know, it's not snow in there during yeah. Christmas, but it's yeah. just such a bizarre thing for folks like you and I, where we grew up, it's just always been synonymous with like snow and winter and all this stuff. And yeah. then like flat flats one time we're on tour in Australia, like I think up until the first week of December or something like that. And it was just so bizarre to see like all these Christmas ads and holiday <laughs> ads everywhere. And it was like, like... Christmas dinner on the beach <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, no I know. sense to my Canadian brain. Dude.
0: I know it is. It is super, super funny. Um, well, we got lots to talk about, man. I think we should jump mm-hmm. in. Um, been wanting to have you on the show for years, literally. And like, yeah. I don't know if you ever listened to this or if you know some of the guests that I've had a lot of Chris Cresswell talk um, <laughs> on the show, mostly, and I'm, I'm not trying to toot your own horn, It's mostly it comes up with like, like when someone talks about him, they kind of compare you to like they say you're amazing, but then also like you're kind of an alien just because (laughs) like you're freakishly kind of good at figuring stuff out and doing so much and having so much you're juggling all the time. Mm. Um, I I mean, you know, you live in your own body. I don't know how you (laughs) see yourself, but but I you have a very good reputation.
1: That's very nice to hear. That is very nice to hear. I have, I have tuned into the program before and, and, uh, you know, the conversation turns a corner and then all of a sudden someone's, someone says my name and it's uh, <laughs> yeah, you guys really know how to make me blush.
0: Uh, <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Well, you know, and, and another thing too is, and I want to talk all about this as we, we go on for the next little while is, is just, you know, us growing up in Southern Ontario, um, in sort of the same scene. I, I want yeah. to get to all that too, but you know, for me. To, to, you know, growing up uh, a punk rock kid in, you know, the western, west side of Toronto in Oakville and like being obsessed with like, I'm wearing a Strike Anywhere shirt, you know, like Lagwagon yeah. and, and, you know, No Effects and all the Fat Records bands. And to see you like my contemporary kind of <laughs> in that club, you know, I'm always like, damn, I'm jealous of that guy, man. He's doing <laughs> like all this cool stuff and, and hearing like Joey Cape talk about like how amazing you are and stuff is is just is just rad. So um, I guess I just kind of want to go to the beginning a little bit and talk about you sure. know, uh, how you came up uh, Richmond Hill represent.
1: Um, <laughs> That's right. Northside
0: baby. Yeah. And, and just talk to me a little <laughs> bit about, you know, your early beginnings, how, you know, you, you were raised and, and how you got into music.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think like my story, as far as how I got into punk and, and, and like, you know, after growing up in a household that where my parents would play, you know, my mom would play piano and she'd sing in the choir with her sisters and her mom, my grandma was the church organist. And that was a big part of our life when I was a kid was going to church every Sunday and there was music in that. Right. Yeah. Um, and that was really like the, the part that stuck with me more than anything else. I at least got to like hear people sing every week, which was really cool. And then after that, um, when I, I guess started to really like define my own version of, or just kind of start curating, uh, uh, being curious and curating my own kind of musical upbringing. Um, my story is like a lot of people's. like, I have an older brother and he yeah. got into skateboarding and snowboard. He's three years older than me. And he got into skateboarding and snowboarding and stuff uh, when I was young. So you always want to be as cool as your older sibling, I think. So I was along for the ride with him and a lot of those skate and snowboard videos that we'd watch. Mm-hmm. The soundtracks was all, it was all just old fat and epitaph stuff. Yeah you know maybe some like like yeah and like burning heart and stuff like that like all all the good stuff coming out from the 90s uh punk scene and then you know from there i kind of latched on to bands like rancid and green day and i mean and like rock bands like oasis and uh nirvana and stuff like that i mean like the 90s were a great time to grow up i was born in 87 so yeah. you know when I, I it was early 90s when i was in kindergarten and it was an amazing time to grow up because i got to see this music that I had fallen in love with all the time on much music on TV. And I got, all I got right. to hear it all the time on the edge, on the radio station in Toronto. So it was just kind of like a culmination of those things that was really like a perfect storm as far as like being so exposed to stuff. And then I discovered that I lived near, I mean, in Southern Ontario. So like near so many like thriving DIY punk scenes. And then you had the big touring circuit coming to Toronto all the time. So that was just like Yeah. I thought I, I had, you know, already hit the gold mine and then all of a sudden I got to see all these shows. And what's, it was yeah. insane.
0: Yeah. Well what's crazy is is yeah, I didn't I don't think I realized you were, you know, I'm I'm eighty one, so so you're six years younger than me. I, I kind of thought we were closer to the same age, but it makes a lot of sense because I have on my list of questions here that, you know, we we must have gone to like all the same shows. You know, Mm -hmm. I remember like going to like, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, shows in the late nineties at the opera house. Like when you'd have shows with like Lagwagon and, and good riddance and like all those bands, sick of it all, they'd all come through, you know, together or these big packages and snow jam. And I was like, Oh, well he must've been there. He must've been at these shows. We just didn't know each other. But I guess in 97, you were only 10.
1: No, that's the thing. So I probably started going to those shows like. 2000 2001 right like the band started in 2002 yeah and we'd already been kind of like sneaking down to the city taking a bus and then the subway you know to go to queen street and go to the big bop and see shows like i feel <laughs> yeah. like it was probably like around 2000 i started going to shows yeah, yeah i was i was it's i've always been the, like me and the, and the rest of the guys in the flats have always been the kids you know like we started so young um, totally you know going to shows let alone pl- starting a band and playing shows so i've always been like the guy that's yeah, five plus years younger than a lot of people, <laughs> yeah,
0: guess. yeah, no. It, it might, yeah. I mean, it's it is interesting though, just to think of, you know, from my perspective, growing up with all that stuff, all the California skate punk, and, and I played in a skate punk band, you know, all through like even into the 2000s, you know, my old band, Jerk Circus. So, yeah. you know, I was all like into that, but what you started to see. Kind of around the time,
1: <laughs> kind so, of around the time like the saying hi. I like <laughs> it, I, love, oh, yeah. I love the animal. <laughs>
0: uh, y- you know, around that time, you know, when you guys were forming, that's around the time when I know, in some ways, my interest was shifting a little bit into other kinds of music. You know, yeah. uh, emo and and post hardcore, whatever. All that shit was getting super popular. And yeah. not to say that the you know No Effects is still killing it in Toronto. They still do. Mm-hmm. The scene, you know, how massive that used to be, where every single band on Fat Records from the top to the bottom was playing like eight hundred kids at least in Toronto. Oh, yeah. And then that started to to wane a little bit. Right at mm. the time that you were starting a band in that vein. And I'm always it always surprised me just how you guys were younger, but you still knew about, you know, all that you know, Epitaph Fat Records stuff like Burning Heart you referenced. Yeah all totally. that stuff that seemed a little bit like yesteryear. Uh, at the time when you were kind of coming into your, into your, you know, your musical prime, if that makes any sense.
1: Totally. I mean, no, it's, 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 uh, I think a lot of it can honestly just be attributed to, uh, almost all four of us having older siblings, Mm -hmm. you know? So it was because there is those few years where we were getting into it, where maybe, yeah, like what you're saying is true, where like those bands were either not coming around as much, or if the shows were looking a little different, or if just other styles were kind of gaining more momentum and get, and getting a lot more people's attention, but, like, we were kind of always, because we were always looking to our older siblings and what they were listening to, and it was the same with, like, the kind of, like, hip-hop we got into when we were kids, too, because that was also, like, pretty much our older siblings, once they had enough of rock and punk, then they moved to hip-hop, so we were always kind of catching up to what was going on, I think. So yeah. there was always a few-year lag, maybe, with with what we were kind of into, And I never really thought about that, but that's got to play a part into why we started writing the music we started to write. I mean, when the Flatliners started, we sounded like a Suicide Machines tribute band. And I've said that a million times because it's so true. I mean, between them and Operation Ivy, like those were our two, those were like the two bands that we would just listen to all the time. And at that point, I mean, obviously Op Ivy hadn't put anything out, you know, in a long time. (laughs) And I mean, with the Suicide Machines, like that was kind of in like, when we were getting it really into them, and um, and then when the band formed, like I want to say that that was kind of within that big gap they had between releasing records. Like they kind of yeah. they went on, like they kind of took a left turn and made some like more like records, uh, and kind of like dipped from the ska punk thing which was, I guess, foreshadowing to what we would do eventually. We so, <laughs> really were. Right? Just, just mocking we loved the suicide career. machines. <laughs> we love them. And then, uh, you know, and then they're they, they their big kind of like, whatever, like return to form record, quote unquote, if you want to call it that, would be a match in some gasoline. And I can't remember what year that came right. up. But anyways, it was it was in that uh, 2003, kind of, I would say. Something like that, right? Yep. So it was kind of within that framework that we were just really getting like deep into that pool of ska punk music and stuff so yeah we were kind of always looking back i guess more than seeing what was like happening right now
0: yeah no that's that's true i mean yeah suicide machine's absolutely like late 90s but i mean both Mm. i mean their first two records are undeniable and their new record is awesome too yeah yeah roger from West and jake produced it's it's so good (laughs) man i know um that's that's cool yeah i mean the ska thing is interesting like you still get called a ska punk band yeah and you know i look at your spotify and you know uh fred's got slack still the number one song dude
1: i think it (laughs) hit like a million streams this year and i was like that's cool i mean it makes me very proud and it makes all of us in the band very happy it's just it's so funny that it's still that song. i mean i think every band has that old song that just follows them around. Some bands would maybe refer to those songs as haunting them. I don't think it haunts us necessarily, but it's, it's, it's the one song we get requested to play every single show. And it hasn't been on our set list in years. Oh, you haven't, you don't play it. I mean, we play it. We just never put it on the piece of paper. So like just, we just lead to the end up. until people are just like this is all we want like we you could have played this song first and everyone could have had
0: an early night so it's like a, <laughs> it's just like a it turns up like a bad penny you just can't get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah man no well you know I think I I don't know there's some, there are bands that have this visceral you know reaction this hatred for their old material mm-hmm. um and I think it would be very easy for you guys to do that based on just how, much, I mean, just how much better you've gotten. Well,
1: I appreciate know? that. And we started so young too. So we really have grown up on record, you know, like it's kind of like the, 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 maybe the silliest way I can put it is like, it's kind of like being like a, like an actor when you're like a child actor, you know what I mean? And then you want to, you want to continue your career and you want to show people when you're of a certain age they're like no I'm creating something and I'm actually like I care about art and all this stuff I did when I was a kid but now I know myself and now I kind of know what I'm doing and back then I was just figuring it out so it's but it's all out there for everyone to see right so it's kind of interesting (laughs) but we love it man I mean like it's the honestly it would be a different story if we weren't Constantly met with the reality that so many of our fans have literally grown up with us. Yeah. We have a lot of fans that are around our age. So that's been like a really unifying thing for us and our fans all along just to like, they're kind of just coming along with us, you know? And yeah. we've taken a lot of fucking turns, man.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it, though. With I love yeah. it, though. A quick, quick story. um I, I don't know if you, I've never told you this, I don't think, but uh, in 2006, 2006. Yeah, two no, two thousand five. Fuck, I don't know when it was. Uh, we were on the Warp Tour. Uh, it was two thousand six. We were on the Warp Tour with um, uh, No Effects, mm-hmm. and we used to. I used to play poker with Fat Mike pretty oh, yeah. much every night. Me and Billy Wood. Um, <laughs> and, and I mean Mike, you know Mike. Yeah, <laughs> he's a he's a guy. You know, uh, he's been on the <laughs> show a couple times. I always enjoy speaking with him. He's always been very nothing but super kind and, and forthcoming with me. And he's, he's been great, but you know, he likes to get a rise out of people, but oh, you yeah. know, and, and we're playing poker. Sometimes he's, he doesn't remember the night cause he's on some kind of drugs or something, whatever. But, uh, he said this one time he was like, he was like, um, I just signed a Canadian band. I was like, I was like, Oh really? He's like, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like well, okay. I don't know. He's like, well, well, they used to be like kind of not great. But but they're like, but they sent me these demos and they're like, they're fucking, they're fucking so good. I have to put this record out. Like, I, I, I'm so excited. And I was like, I was like, who? And then he didn't want to tell me. And then he told me and I was like, oh, no, that, like, I love that. Those guys are great. Like, I love that band. That's so cool that that's happening. (laughs) And like, it made sense because, you know, where you guys were at musically, I was like, this is a perfect fit. Yeah. Um, So talk to me about that, that when you got that call from, I guess, did did Fat Might call you? Uh, and, and you must have been beside yourself. I mean, if you're anything like me. Oh, growing man. Up.
1: Yeah, it didn't feel real. I think <laughs> so. If I'm remembering the story correctly, I may have been the only one in the band with a cell phone at that point. Cool right. now, and, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I was with Paul because so Paul, Paul grew up in Brampton, whereas Scott and John and myself grew up in Richmond Hill. So Paul was the first one with a car. So he was in Richmond Hill and we were out somewhere doing something and his mom called my cell phone and was like, Hey, like, I'm pretty sure she said like a guy named big Mark just called. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, big Mark. Oh, fat Mike. She was like, Oh, it's fat Mike, fat Mike. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and she, cause we'd left, you know, like, I don't know if maybe at the point we'd sent him the demos, I didn't have a cell phone or he, whatever. He just, he'd chosen to call the home, one of the home phone numbers that we'd given him. Uh, the homes that belong to our parents. Cause at this point we were 17, 18, something like that. Yep. And I think, and, uh, anyways, it, it didn't. Yeah. She was like, he, he just wants you to call him. Here's his phone number. And I was like, Holy shit. I have his fucking phone number now. <laughs> like that was enough for me right? to be like, cool. That's <laughs> it. Like band, the band is not over, but like we did it. Like we got his phone number. Like I'm never going to call him, but we have his phone number. <laughs> I'm too nervous to call him. No, I, I I ended up calling him back and yeah, it was, it didn't feel real. Just hearing his speaking voice on the phone, you know, I'd like seen interviews with him on, on much music and, and stuff like that growing up. Like, and it just like, all of a sudden I'm hearing that voice in my ear through the phone. It was so surreal and uh, he was super cool, man. Like I know the first time we talked it we didn't talk for long and he did most of the talking. Right. Um, and which was totally fine, because i didn 't really know what to say, but he yeah. he just he liked the songs that we had that we'd shown him, and this was all through Katie Clark from Underground operations oh yeah she she introduced us to Melanie Kay, who at that point was fat records Canada right and then Melanie Kay, uh her assistant at the time was Rob Thornton, who has gone on to be a, a like a pretty successful booking agent in Canada, so there was all these people that had just I got an animal kingdom over here and they're just getting to know each other. (laughs) Um, So anyways, these people had, they were all like friends and, or like, you know, from, from a a few years back or new friends. And they were all kind of working together to like make this introduction between us and fat Mike happen. And when it did, he just luckily liked the songs. Yeah. And we also luckily had a bunch more. So it was actually around this time of year in 2006, I want to say, that we had, we finished, I remember Christmas Eve, 2006, I went okay. into Drive Studios, Steve Risen's studio, yeah. we did like our first bunch of records out. Yeah, I
0: know Steve. We did yeah. like
1: all, we did all the, I did all the vocals for these demos, these live off the floor demos. And we sent them to him like, I think Christmas Eve. And then we waited a couple weeks to hear back from him. And we were like freaking out, wondering what the hell was going on. I mean, like I'm an impatient person now. And this was when we were like late teenagers. So the, the impatience was just way worse and we were just like fuck he hates these songs blah blah blah. We we're just spinning in our heads and then all of a sudden like kind of halfway through january he called us back and was like yeah these songs are great i want to put these demos out and we we're like oh no 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 we're gonna make an actual record he was so <laughs> supportive it was incredible wow. we couldn't believe it man yeah he, yeah he was he was like just like totally down
0: that's crazy. everything well, we'd sent him it was so cool well doing the math um I, i'm i'm okay at math, I could figure out that you're only 19 years old at this point. Just turn 19. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: As I kind of honed in on the year, I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, you're still a
0: teenager at this point. You're just old enough to drink in Canada, not old enough to drink Mm. in the US for two more years. And, you know, this signing to to Fat Records, I mean, it's no joke. I mean, this is a, you're going to be distributed all over, you know, at that time, because still with CDs and everything, like you're, you're talking about records being put out all over the U S and in Best Buy and in Europe and, and you know, and there's distributors and all this stuff and you're going to have to go on tour. And you know, this is not just okay. We're this local band anymore. There's a That's realization right. there when you're 19 too, like you're at a time usually when it's like, well, am I going to school? Am I working? There's other guys in the band. What are we all doing? It, it, in some ways it's a good time because it's like, you mm-hmm. can kind of just drop everything. You're probably still living at home and it's fine. But, oh, yeah. but, um, it's also a big deal. So walk yeah. me through that, how that all worked. Like when fat Mike called, was it like, okay, we're doing this hundred percent. No question.
1: Yeah. Essentially. Like we at that point had already made the decision as a band, as friends and as a band that, cause we, yeah, since we were 19, we'd been out of school for about a year and we had already made the decision. Like once we're all done high school, we're just going to start touring And then hopefully through touring, we can kind of find, I don't know, we had a really great scene that we came up in here and a community we came up here in Southern Ontario. But we were, I guess, just hopeful, like every band is like, you know, we're going to go on tour and then hopefully we like can create more of that the more places we go. Right. So we had done a bit of that, but not a lot of that yet. So we would just kind of gotten a taste, but we'd already made the decision like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to give this a few years, like a solid shot much to the you know like chagrin of some of our folks i think like not everyone was completely on board but however like somehow at the same time everyone was supportive it was just a harder sell for some families Mm -hmm. but everyone because we were kids and you know we were about to like we were trying to talk our folks into like you know let alone letting us like I mean, they knew we were, like, skipping school to play shows on the week. Like, you know, like, we were skipping school Friday to, like, go to the show early or whatever and not really going to school maybe Mondays because we played a show the night before. But that was, you know, when we were playing in, like, St. Catharines and London and Windsor and Sarnia and Guelph and Oshawa and all these places around here. Now, all of a sudden, we're like, hey, we're going to drive to, like, Arizona and start a tour there. We're going to drive all the way there and start something there. You know what I mean? Shit like that. So, it was a harder sell, but we'd already kind of had, like, the the big talk with everyone prior to the fat involvement and yeah. interest. But then when that happened, it really solidified like, Oh damn, like we, now we are about to like, this is going to pick up some steam. And it really did. I mean, cause what Mike does so well with the new he science is he just, you have a built in demographic and crowd it's to, true. to play to, because he takes you all over the world on tour. We, we tour with no effects for like two years maybe two plus years straight to the point where I think it was like, so at this point in time, fat would send out a copy of like every CD, whatever, like to every person in every band on the roster. Right. And this was around the time that they were, this was around the time they're putting out um, backstage passport. So we were on tour. No effects for like two plus years. And then we came home from those tours and we got the DVD in the mail. And I, I remember watching it all of a day being like, I just lived this. <laughs> it was such, it was such a trip, you know, but yeah, he, he like had our backs big time. Yeah. yeah before, like you said, before we could drink in the U S like wow. there was, there was one night in Austin cause we made these fake IDs back in the day with our friend, Adam, <laughs> uh, so like, they were like Northwest Territories IDs. The idea was that no one in the U.S. has ever seen an ID from Northwest Territories. You know, it would be, it would be a, an Ontario, a Quebec, or maybe a British Columbia ID. That was the idea. So like, we're going, we're going, we're going a little further away. We're going to go for a place that no
0: one's ever seen. It's and the there was funniest one thing ever, like for people who <laughs> don't a, know, like, like 20,000 people live in the whole territory, like maybe. <laughs>
1: I don't even and then know all of a sudden you got this bam yeah <laughs> so there was at least one night on tour no effects where like mike and limo like the crew yeah. they helped us like talk our way into some bars after shows when security guards were kind of skeptical as they should have been because these big IDs if you see them they were like flimsy they were taped together it was such it was they were so busted man but yeah they had our backs like it was so cool they were so generous with just like yep. their time and everything, it was it was it was cool. It was yeah. a crazy way to come up, and it kind of forced us to grow up quickly, but like in a in a cool way because we got like a whole different kind of education. Like we never went to school after high school, so this the world of touring has become our right education and then our life. Right. Well, you seem to have turned out okay. You got a good yeah, head on your terrible, shoulders. Yeah, you know, we had so, a couple, couple speed bumps here and there. Yeah, That's all right. <laughs> yeah. No, no,
0: it's it's true what you say about about uh, fat records for sure. Um, just just you know, growing up, and I think you know I had heard no effects. Uh, it would have been because Punk and Trouble, like I think, came out when I was in like going into grade nine, grade eight or grade nine, and then the the compilation, the um, Survival of the Fattest. Oh, the yeah. compilation on fat records came out and it's still like to this day, one of the best punk compilations ever. Yeah. Like cool. There's like cool unreleased lag wagon tracks and, and everything else on there. And it, that changed that, that record changed my life to the Hell point yeah. where I ordered just about every uh, CD. And I wish I'd ordered the vinyl back then yeah. or every CD, but you know, it was different. You couldn't cause if you bought, if you got the vinyl, you couldn't listen to it anywhere. Exactly. Yeah, you know, you had to have your disc man and in your car, you couldn't listen to vinyl, then you'd have to dub it onto a cassette and it sounded like shit and it wore out. So <laughs> yeah. but I wish I bought the vinyl vinyl at the time. But so I have literally every Fat Records release pretty much from the, the first stuff they put out up until probably like around two thousand and one, two thousand and two is when I just wow. started to So I have everything. I used mm. to order and I told Mike this one time and he was he was like everything really even goober patrol and i was like (laughs) even goober patrol i've got both those cds man (laughs) man the the
1: first time we ever went to europe we borrowed goober patrol's backline (laughs) because our friend ed at that point he was a new friend we'd never met him before we hired this guy ed boning ed the duck they call him he was goober patrol's old uh roadie and he, he we hired him to like you know provide backline drive us around tour manage us and just he became uncle ed and uh nice. yeah man he he's like he I mean he had all the Goober Patrol stuff. So we the first at least two or three European tours we played, I think Scott played with the guitar cab that literally had a Goober Patrol <laughs> logo like <laughs> like stenciled on the front of the cab.
0: Oh my god.
1: <laughs> so we just look like amazing. huge Goober's fans. Yeah, I did man. not
0: think I was going to wake up today and talk about Goober Patrol, but I'm so <laughs> happy that we are um, I've been waiting all year for this. Just in, just amazing. <laughs> but no, no, but you're right. I mean there was a built-in fan base. Uh, mm-hmm. With Fat Records, and you know, you became part of this, and you know, now, and this is just sort of my my um, segue into some of the other things that you've you've been doing. I mean, obviously, with the Flatliners, you know, it's been a great career, uh, a lot of recognition. I mean, even a Juno nomination, which is a, a very hard for a punk rock band uh, in Canada to get, uh, especially when it's like in the metal category. Yeah, uh, that, that was a weird year, man. Well, yeah, because well, what they did is is they got rid of. I don't know. They got rid of a bunch of categories, but then they then they started saying, "Oh well, the metal category like has to be actual metal." And we're like, yeah. well, "Well, what do we do when we're not actual metal, but we're not like mainstream either?" Um, yeah. But you guys snuck in there with the Juno nomination. Somehow so. we got in there. I think
1: we can thank, yeah. uh, in part, we can thank our friend Rich Fernandez for kind there we of go. helping sort that out. Thanks, yep. Rich.
0: <laughs> I love Richard Fernandez. Yeah, it was
1: yep. that was a that was a wild time because there was like a lot of controversy in the Canadian form. So, I mean, yeah. like not much, but, uh, uh yeah. but, yeah, like, uh, like
0: 15 people were really bent out of shape something like that.
1: Yeah. And like this guy <laughs> that used to run the label Voivod was on back in the day, got all bent out of shape and started a petition for us to be removed from the category oh, seriously? because we weren't a metal band, but then, yeah. And then, which like, you know, didn't materialize in anything. Some people did sign the petition, but didn't materialize too much. And then later on that same, you know, season rolling up to the actual Juno's like evening and, and event city in color, like Dallas green, like dropped out of playing. Cause he was like, you know what? I'm not nominated this year. I've played before. I've won before. It's great. Thank you so much. But like, yeah. I'm not nominated. Give this opportunity to someone else, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. So the same guy that started a petition to have us removed from the category started an additional petition to have us replace City of Color as a performer what? on the telecast for the Juno's, which is like millions of Canadians watch. That is... <laughs> He's very really conflicted. And through the whole process, the bass player from Voivod reached out to us and was like was like, hey, uh, just so you know, like we don't really like talk to that guy anymore. Sorry for the <laughs> sorry for the stress.
0: It was crazy man. Crazy. Vo- Voivod. Funny story I have about Voivod. So when I was doing um, Verona records, a record label that, that I, you know, put out a bunch of records, I put out a record for yeah. counterparts and, and, uh, dead and divine great Canadian band. And I put out a record for Paul Mark, uh, from Silverstein's old band called I am committing a sin. Yeah. And we got the CDs back from the pressing plant. Um, you know, and like, I didn't think, Hey, maybe I should listen to these before <laughs> put giving them to the distributor. Cause they were actually going in stores at that point and everything. So I just got the boxes and said, Hey, let's go. So I, so I got all these CDs and within a day, I start getting all these things like what's going on. This, this doesn't, isn't right. Like this is supposed to be a six song EP and there's like, there's like 15 tracks and like, this is the worst music I've ever heard. What the hell is this? So I'm like, Oh shit. So I go rip out a CD. I put it on and I'm listening to it. I'm like, I know this band. What is this? And then, um, you know, back in the day when you would put a CD in like your computer it would yeah. like find it'd, the songs it bring up the metadata or whatever, whatever. that's called. Yeah. 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 yeah and and yeah. it was, it was straight up a Voivod record <laughs> that they I love it. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like the CD said, I am committing a sin. Like it was just the wrong music on the CD. Weird. Um, yeah. And to this day, when I bring up Voivod <laughs> to Paul Mark, he's like, Oh, that band,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that rules.
0: <sighs> oh man. Um, but my segue was, was that we got off track and that's fine. Was just, you know, you becoming, you know, this, this central role in, you know, the, the bat records, I don't know what scene to call it, but let's just call it punk rock. You met a lot of people and somehow you weaseled your way into uh, playing for hot water music, which <laughs> yeah. I mean, the story I've heard from, even from oh. Chuck Reagan, who has been on the show, uh, uh, yeah. you know, again, he speaks so highly of you. Um, you know, I, I've heard those stories, but I kind of want to hear it from the horse's mouth from your perspective, sure. you know, how, you know, you ended up in that situation and you ended up, you know, now in the band, uh, um, you, you know, uh, not just, you know, you haven't replaced the keys still there, uh, in some, oh, yeah, yeah. In some form, you guys are working together, you've kind of been, become a fifth member of the band, which yeah. is, which is really, really rad.
1: Yeah, man. It's incredible. I don't, it's, it, it's, it's still a situation that's very surreal. It, it, I don't understand how it's a part of my daily life. You know, in a year like this where there's so much inactivity as far as touring and, and seeing each other goes, it's, it's easy to f- not forget, but it's, but it's easy to kind of just be like, oh yeah, like that was, that's from, you know, that was something I did last year and the year before and then now not anymore (laughs) or something like that. I just, (laughs) I can play this mental trick on myself where it's not a part of my life sometimes because the information still hasn't properly computed to me. I think (laughs) it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to try to process, but essentially what happened was the flats were playing fest in Gainesville. Like, I mean, one of our favorite places to play and, you know, like our friend, Tony runs the show and it's just like, it's a beautiful family reunion of most, most, mostly, Almost every band we know, I think, <laughs> plays this thing at some point or another. Yeah. And anyways, we were playing the same show as Hot Water. So I was talking to a couple of the dudes, like the night before the show, and they asked if I'd want to sing a song with them. Because we had just all seen each other, I think, at Riot Fest or something the month before. And that was great. So I was like, holy shit, yeah, I'll sing a song. That's great. Paul <laughs> and I go the morning of the show to Load In, and I run into Rebello. I run into George for Load In, and he kind of looked a little stressed and we were just shooting the shit and then he was like, Well, we we kind of have a bit of an issue, like we might have to play as a three piece tonight. Um and wow. it's like a really last minute thing, and it's just kinda of like an emergency, like, so we might be without Waller tonight. And I was like, Oh fuck, all right. And then he, he was like he asked me if I knew any songs. I kind of thought he was joking. I thought the whole thing was kind of a joke. Like, I, I thought he was just messing with me for oh, some okay. reason. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. It just, it didn't seem like he was, he seemed stressed, but at the same time, I was like, I think he's kind of just fucking with me or something. I don't right. know. Right. No, I, so I, then, I know that
0: that, that approach people can have. Right? Yeah. Cause they're like, they're so upset, they're kind of smiling. It's like weird, right? I, yeah. I, totally he, I, know I think the it was, vibes. yeah. It
1: was maybe manifesting itself uh, in both of us in a strange way because I didn't really understand what was going on. And neither did he, right? It was just all new information. So, when I, when I finally realized he was being serious, I was like, oh man, like when he asked if I knew any songs or any, like, I was like, well shit, like I'm going to sing a song with you guys. But as far as playing songs, like, I don't know, man. Like I had flats, had just finished this long tour in Europe where i had like gotten really sick at the end of it. And we uh-huh. had to cancel a couple shows. My voice was completely gone. So right. I had basically just spent the last week at home, like not speaking whatsoever. And mm-hmm. this was going to be our first show after all that and it was at fest which is always one of our biggest shows so I was kind, i was already pretty stressed i was like to be honest man i should say no because of all that i just explained to you here now right and uh, he was like all right yeah i mean that's totally fair but i was like but i am going back to our like spot to just kind of lay low until showtime and i have a guitar there so i could just kind of see what i could figure out. And he was like, okay, yeah, text Chuck and see if he can send you the set list. And I was like, oh, shit. All right. So I kind of said yes, (laughs) like right after I said no. So I started. So I texted Chuck. I talked on the phone. He sent me the set list and I started going through songs. I learned like eight songs. Not well, like I already know where they go because I'm a huge fan of this band. You know, I I just kind of like gotten the gist of where the where the guitar goes And then all of a sudden I was like, I got to go back to the show and play my band's show. So I did that and it went well. I was super worried about my voice, but it went well and everything. I remember like Scott and I had a beer after the show. And then I finished that beer and I was like, all right, I guess I got to go get back to like practicing. And then I found Chuck and (laughs) Chuck and I, dude, it was so funny. Chuck and I with two unplugged electric guitars started jamming in the backstage of like the concrete, like Outdoor band shell that is the main stage at Fest while Snapcase is playing. So, like, I can hear them just like rocking, and it's so loud. And Chuck and I are just like playing two unplugged electric guitars. I have no <laughs> idea what he's playing, and I'm freaking out. Tim Barry's there, just like, You're gonna fuck it up, man. <laughs> he's just laughing, gives me shit. It was super intense, dude. And they started the set as a three piece, and I kept practicing the eight songs I knew until they brought me out, and then I blacked out. I got wow. up there. I, I, I remember standing beside the stage with Scott from the flats um, and Kenny from dead to me, I think. And like, they were both just like, are you okay? And I was like, no, like, this is terrifying. <laughs> yeah.
0: then they call me out and I put my guitar on and I'm like, that's it. Like, I just like, I don't remember anything else. Dude. The, the most nervous I think I ever get on stage is whenever someone asks me to do some like, Hey, can you come out and like do this part? Like with us. Or whatever and like whether i know the song or not or the band or anything i'm always like right before i'm like i'm actually nervous like, i don't really get yeah. that nervous anymore when i go on stage but i'm nervous so i can't imagine filling in not just vocal you got to play guitar there's a lot of songs it's a lot of time it's a band you care about dude i love this band and wallard
1: right? wallard writes some insane stuff like he's an incredible guitar player an incredible songwriter and all of a sudden, yeah, I'm trying to like wield the magic that he has <laughs> had in him for all these years, just like out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really probably do it justice, but it was intense. And I know what you mean. I, I, I think it's just like without the muscle memory that you and I have with our own things. When you're sure, asked totally, to do yeah. something like that, yeah. it's just when that's gone, it just, you feel like you've never sung a note or played a note on an instrument before in your life, right? It's I know. bizarre.
0: I know. Well, yeah. the hot water music, I mean, the, stu- the song, the, g- the guitar parts aren't normal like there's a lot of funky chords in there and strange chord progressions and and it it probably wasn't even easy to figure them out and even chuck probably doesn't know them because they're not his parts and some of them like were written like when did no division come out i don't know uh, a long time ago (laughs) (laughs) that's
1: the thing and like i yeah that's totally the case i mean so much of from between no division and the new what next especially that era of the band there's a lot of like floating guitar parts that kind of come in and out of like you can kind of discern who's doing what at certain moments, but like for the most part, it's tough to know honestly when so fast forwarding a little bit, when yeah. my involvement with the band continued, because that, that, that's essentially how it started. And then like every chunk of shows that were coming up, they would reach out and see if I was available because Wallard, you know, has uh, has made it clear that he wants to uh, be home, which is great. You know what I mean? So I mean, it's, it's great for him, and it's great for, you know, uh, the band that they can still do their thing, and it's a it's super unique and it really interesting and humbling experience for me to be involved in, but more than that, just for the, all those guys to, like, still be there for each other, like, after all these years uh, with, through something like this is really incredible, and it's been an amazing thing to watch. Um, yeah. At a certain point when the 25th anniversary show started to be discussed... And we figure that we're gonna play No Division and Caution front to back. I was like, all right. <laughs> These are like my two favorite <laughs> two of two, well, well, my favorite hot water well, At least, records.
0: At least you can be pretty sure that they don't know the songs that well either.
1: Well, <laughs> right? man, like when I was when I was trying to learn the songs off, off No D, it was very evident that they they like they literally recorded those guitar tracks from the same with the same amp. Like Chuck and Chris's guitar parts sound so like just tonally. I mean, sounds so similar Yeah. that at one point, I, and Jason's kind of the guy I go to, 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 ask like, who plays this? Who plays this? Do you oh, remember? Yeah, yeah. Cause he has a yeah. really clear memory of this stuff. Yeah. He's like, Oh yeah. Like that's so-and-so that's so-and-so, but like they recorded everything on the same amp and the same settings. So it sounds <laughs> it was so difficult to figure out who's right. doing what, but I mean, we got there, but honestly, I'll say, dude, like I can't, I can't say enough positive things about, just getting to peek behind the curtain of one of my favorite bands in a pretty serious way. Yeah. There's such, there's such great people who care about each other so much and about the music so much. And it's made me so much more appreciative of just being able to play music with not only my childhood friends in the Flatliners, like the guys I've come up with, but also get this opportunity to play with one of my favorite bands in hot water music, but also just like it made me a better guitar player. Like forcing yeah. my hand to like play more guitar in general, just to learn these parts and prepare for these shows, and to play what Wallet has written, it's really pushed me, and I'm super grateful for it, man. Because I mean, yeah, it's been it's been an incredible ride, and just being able to like, you know, somehow. Be a, involved a little bit with that band. It's, it blows my mind, dude. So I don't know. It's yeah. it's crazy. It, it's it, it'll never feel real, and that's no, that's it, the
0: best. It's, yeah, it's so cool. And yeah, I mean, um, I don't want to go on and on about Hot Water Music for the for forever. I mean, we could, and I, I actually <laughs> would like to. I actually <laughs> would like to, but I I won't. But I will say, you know, I think it was oh yeah, four. Yeah, uh, oh four. Hot Water Music took us out and direct support. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't long. It was like two weeks. Uh, with that, I remember that wasn't F minus on that tour as well. No, F minus no? was with Strike Anywhere. Oh uh, shit! Okay, F- my bad. Sorry. Same same year. Uh, okay. Oh my god, I love F minus. I got F yeah, minus. I too. got an F minus flyer behind me somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like yeah, when I was when I was putting this all together, um, and these aren't like I'm not that cool. These aren't like original flyers <laughs> or anything. Like I I printed these off the internet. uh <laughs> That's but, all right, man. but um yeah, I was like thinking about like okay, I want every flyer to be like something. Like I'm, every flyer is a story. A part of my life, right? And for me, F minus just Brad from F minus, one of the nicest people I've ever met. Yeah, Um, Brad Logan is a G. Yes, Brad also from Leftover Crack. He just the guy is a sweetheart. Yeah, but sweethearts, I mean, (laughs) Hot Water Music taking us out. We're still a you know a a new band. Um, just Chuck Reagan was just the biggest sweetheart ever to us in every single way. And and you know, being a young band at that time, we hadn't. Really headlined yet? You know, that was one of the first bands that showed us, like, hey, this is how you treat a support act. You know, this is like yeah. what you do. You know, you treat them like family, and um yeah, I, I just, there's, I couldn't say more nice things about about Hotwire Music, dude. And, and they, they're, I, they're legendary they for.
1: Too. Oh man, I appreciate that. Thanks, dude. I mean, they're they're honestly legendary for so many reasons, and what you said is 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 a huge part of it. Like, yeah. it's trickled down, like their their mentality of how you treat people and how, you know, the road is shared and all these things has trickled down to Silverstein. It's trickled down to the Flatliners. We talk about it with the Menzingers all the time, you know, like, like when, you know, if there's a, if, if you got three bands on tour and, you know, one day the budget is, is, I don't know, it's a lot smaller than another show. Like what happens is if it's like a Menzingers headlining tour and we're supporting them and the budget is tight one day, the Menzingers say to us, we're going to do the hot water thing. And we're gonna just like, you know, the bit like we're just gonna give our phone buyouts today and all this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it's all these like kind of yeah. nerdy things that maybe like people that aren't in bands. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the people that aren't in, you just see Love Chase going on right here. You know, it's some nerdy things that maybe some people in bands don't know, but like it's just the little behind scenes things that happen day to day on tour that help us live. So many of us have been fortunate to learn these lessons from hot water and yeah. I couldn't think of a better band to learn from, no, dude. I mean, no. like it's it's
0: it's awesome. No, it's it's amazing. Um they're just I got this list of questions and I have so many more. <laughs> so I know we're already we're already going on. So I mean you can stay as long as you want. If you gotta go, I get it. I know you're you guys are working there at the shop um finishing up before Christmas, but I do want to ask you a little bit about um, your your friendship and in and, and everything you've done with Joey Cape of Lagwagon, because he's Lagwagon's one of my favorite bands of all time. And, yeah. you know, he told me about you making the one week record together, um, <laughs> which for people that don't know what that is, pretty much Joey, uh, he produces records in his house and you got to do them in a week. Ten songs, right. one week, um, you kind of eat, sleep and breathe this these songs in this album. And, you know, he told me that you came and said, yeah, like, here's the songs. And like, hey, so on Saturday, I want to go to this barbecue <laughs> and I, he told me yeah. all these like things and then joey's like what no we can't like what are you talking about we got this record to finish and then he said that you blew him away you had everything ready and you made the song and then turns out you were able to go to the barbecue
1: <laughs> yeah i had big plans man i had big plans <laughs> i didn't i didn't think i was as prepared as i was i guess i mean him and i him and i we proved to be a really great team uh that shit blew my mind, dude. Cause, like, no joke, Joey Cape and Lagwagon, like, that's the first, that's, I think, the first case in my punk upbringing that I realized, like, you could write something fast and heavy and melodic, but like make the lyrics, you know, intelligent or at least like mm-hmm. they don't have to be goofy or it could be about something serious. It can be poetic. Yeah. Like, for some reason, it was, it was Lagwagon. It was Joey that like kind of nailed that for me early on. So, to, you know, and then like growing up and listening to the records he'd produced, like those Atari's records he produced. Oh yeah. Like those records are incredible, man. Yeah. Like, so to be in his home studio and like, I mean, at that point we knew each other well, like we, like the flats and Lagwagon had toured together. I don't think Joey and I had toured acoustic together at this point. We played a couple shows. Yeah. We played shows together and I don't know. It was, he was always really supportive of like me telling him like, I have these other songs. I don't know what to do with them. And I went to Joey with that information because I, he'd always had a few bands on the go. So I was kind of like, how do you know where this song should go? If it can go to Lagwagon, if it should oh, go to yeah. Bad Astronaut, or if it should go to yeah. you know, Joey Cape Solo. I don't, know, I don't know what to do with some of these songs. And uh, I think that piqued his interest. And by the time we got to work together on the record, yeah, we proved to be a great team, man. He, I learned so much from him. And we, we worked. I mean, it would, we had like long days, but we worked quick. And yeah, I think I went to, I I definitely went to like a friend's show that week at night, and then yeah, we went to like I think Aaron from Fat, like Aaron Briquette from yeah. Fat Rack had like a party or something. <laughs> we there. So I got a little socializing done too. <laughs> oh, no, that's cool. And and I mean, <laughs> but,
0: yeah, jo, jo, you know, Joey's twenty one years older than you, um, yeah, and that's important because of the uh, the the week that you were both born, uh, the same week you're yeah. born, November eleventh um and sadly in canada you didn't get your birthday off because remembrance day you know not a holiday uh or is it i don't think it is i don't think it's a i mean like
1: i think some things are closed but i don't think it's like recognized as a yeah i don't know not like in the states like the fucking i think the bank's still open as shit yeah yeah but so your birthday (laughs) is november
0: 11th joey cape's birthday i believe is november 16th uh and you know uh john snodgrass who was also on the show just a couple weeks ago also uh the same week and um the late Tony Sly, uh, also the same week. And this is important because you guys are all a part of this project called uh, Scorpios. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes a lot of sense. You know, talk to me about, you know, you talk about filling big shoes with Chris Wallard. But you filled massive, massive shoes, you know, taking the spot of Tony Sly in uh, in this band. Uh, talk to me about that whole project and, and kind of how that's going. I mean, you guys are still, it's still something you guys are doing, I think. I mean, at this point, uh, we made Scorpios
1: 2. Um, yeah. That was the one I was able to be involved with. And uh, we played a show at Pooza Fest together. And that would have been 2016. Yeah, I'll pick um, back. Yeah. Or it could have been 2017, actually. I can't remember now. The years have kind of yeah, b- they blend together, on, as you know. As you know, don't worry <laughs> about it. But that was that was all we were able to do, just because of everyone's schedules with everything else going on. Like Lagwagon was busy, flats were busy, and then around the corner, I got involved with Hot Water, and Snodgrass is always keeping busy. And same with Brian Wallstrom. I mean, right. Brian Wallstrom has gone on to start a band with Zach from Pears called Band Aid Brigade, and they fucking rock. Like they're so they're they're an incredible band that like kind of defy genre and it's it's everyone should check it out it's incredible cool but you know everyone has just had their uh, other stuff going on and that was the only show we were ever able to do though that wasn't the original idea the original idea was to put that record out and like do shows but i mean as far as like no one's ever taken tony's spot or fill in his shoes like those are unfillable shoes right i mean that guy tony sly was a guy that touched so many lives and continues to do so yeah. and will forever. I mean, through his music, but he's one of the most talented songwriters I've ever known. Um, and when we were, when we signed to fat, like some of the first tours, actually the first tour we did after we signed to fat was a no use for a name tour. Uh, before the great wow. awake came out, it was months before it came out. They were like, Hey, we're doing this uh, West coast U S tour. We're just going to play all the-. we They were doing like, You know, they played, like, Bottom of the Hill in San Francisco. They played the Casbah in San Diego. And for folks that don't know, like, those are, like, huge underplays. We call them in the biz. Underplays (laughs) for this band. So, it was just, like, they were doing, like, you know, cool small bar shows on home turf, essentially. And they invited us out. So, we drove. I think we played a show in (laughs) Buffalo. And then we played a show in Chicago. And then we drove from Chicago to the West Coast. Oh, man. And it was before, like you know, we'd ever even put out a record on Fat. They were just like, "Yeah, you're part of the family. Come with us." And uh, they were so sweet, man. And Tony was just so generous, just like the No guys were. Like I said earlier, like Tony was so generous with his time and with his like wisdom and knowledge. And he's he was hilarious. And we were kids; we were 19, and he was just so cool about hanging out with these young musicians. And just you know, just kind of showing us the ropes. Like he wasn't like te- like he wasn't like wa- wagging his finger around, like teaching us lessons. But he was he was teaching us lessons. He was he you know he was just being yeah. cool. Like we were just uh, he was leading by example. And awesome to to see what he went on to do with his solo career was just so beautiful. And seeing guys like him and Joey and like Tim Barry yeah. do what they did, and Chuck, you know what I mean, like yeah. do what they did. Like it showed me that I could play these other kinds of songs and then so at that point i'd made a record with joey and we toured together me and him and brian had toured together and played play with snodgrass and we were all friends and then they started kicking the idea around right, of doing another scorpios record and at this point they were well aware that i was also in fact a scorpio and it just i guess to them <laughs> seemed perfect what a coincidence true. it's such a it's it's an incredible it, it, coincidence it is, it is. and it was honestly similar to what I've kind of fallen into with the whole hot water music thing, and what I've fallen into before that with the flats, just it being like my first band with my childhood friends. I can't tell people enough how really lucky I feel um, to yeah. have all these things just happen. And with the Scorpios thing, it was just—I don't know, man. When they started coming to me, being like seriously, being like, "Hey, we want to make this record, and like we would love for you to be involved." Like everyone just kind of writes songs. And then we kind of all come together on it and like work on the songs a little more together. I was like, this is not real. This is not real life. And, uh, it was a really fun time making that record, man. We made that record pretty quick too, man. That, that was, we made that at Joey's house in, I want to say about a week. It was yeah, crazy. It was, it yeah. was cool, man. Like, I don't know. I, I, I wish, or I should say, I hope that going forward we can definitely get some of that, going on the road whenever you know everyone can get back out there safely and stuff because man that was just such a huge moment for me uh it was a huge honor to be involved with a project like that with those guys and f- i mean you know it's it's always holding a candle up for tony man like that whole that whole band's existence i think you know is is um carried by tony slime and his legacy like it's yeah. Yeah, like it's it's just an ongoing beautiful thing that he's just left us. His musical catalog—it's just—it's
0: wow. stunning. It is. Yeah. Is. Um, well, I want to talk about some of the stuff that you've been doing too. Um, you know, yeah. solo lockdown record, lockdown cover record, and also before yeah. before that, a, a single. Uh, feel, I really enjoyed that one too. Lots of lag wagon chords in that song. I noticed, uh, <laughs> yeah. talk to me about that. And, and when can we expect some more Flatliners uh, music? Cause it's been a minute. It has been
1: man. Yeah, we've been, our, uh, so, so I'll start with the flat stuff. Our, our idea this year was to do a cavalcade 10th anniversary tour. Obviously yeah. we didn't, we couldn't do that. Um, we took last year off the road and the idea was to come back and do the anniversary thing while we work on a record. And, yeah. you know, like, I mean, you guys, you guys know this, this world. I mean, I think we learned this trick from Silverstein, man. Like that's what people <laughs> want. Like people want the record and it's like the, the album tour. I, I, I love it. And we were so excited to do it. And it always gets me so pumped seeing you guys do that stuff and, and see how many bands are really like touring albums now front to back. I think it's so cool. Yeah. So we were... We were really pumped up to do that with Cavalcade, and then, oh, well, maybe 15 years we'll do it.
0: <laughs> right. but
1: we're working slowly on, you know, like this year has been, we still haven't been able to get the four of us in the same room because we're just kind of spread out across the province. So that's oh, really? been tough. Yeah, do you, um, have, you actually
0: haven't, the four of you haven't been together at all. Not dude, once. the four wow. of us have
1: not been, the four of us haven't played music together in almost a year because our last show was new year's eve and then the first couple first couple months of this year we were kind of like well we're just gonna hang out and you know like live life before a busy year and we were thinking like probably late march we would get together and you know go through cavalcade brush up on playing those songs live just rehearse and shit like that and then hit the road in april and then everything you know obviously fell apart so man yeah we haven't we haven't been in the same room probably since like early january which is crazy. Um, yeah, so, you know, but all that to say, like, we are slowly, you know, cracking into writing some new stuff. I mean, we always take our time, but I think now we're kind of, we're kind of reaching like propaganda territory of like a record every five years or something. <laughs> like that. <laughs> so I, but I mean, we've always, yeah, it's always been like three years ish between uh, records. So we're hoping that, you know, yeah. um, we can keep busy with that through the winter and Hopefully there's more concrete news soon, but it's been fun, man. Just being, I mean, for such a strange year, it's one, one positive thing is it's afforded us a lot of time to just work on stuff. So that's nice. Cause usually when we're writing, it's on tour, between tours, you know, and it's just always so busy. So that's one positive thing. And yeah, yeah, I mean, like I I put feel out at the beginning of the year. I finished writing the song like 10 days, I think before I recorded it. And I just didn't want to wait. And I yeah. had some I had some solo shows in January, February, March. So I was like, I just want to put this out because I like this song now and I don't want to wait a year to put it out or however long it usually takes, right? Yeah. Five. <laughs> Five years. <laughs> so I just decided to put it out. And then I yeah, I was I actually was pretty busy playing solo shows and hot water shows up until we went into lockdown in March and then That was kind of it, but I've been working on like you know, I got a whole bunch of solo stuff I've been working on too. So I think like next year it's going to be a lot of I'll have a lot of stuff coming out, which is exciting. It's all at varying degrees of you know completion and stuff like that. But it's I've been busy, so it's going to be I don't know, it's going to be exciting to get it all out there.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. No, that's that's great. I'm I'm glad to hear you know stuff stuff is in the works. Yeah, yeah it's such a bummer about the touring. Obviously, you know, that's yeah. a big thing for bands like us too. That's yeah. how, you know, we get by. And I know, you know, you've um you've transitioned into a great merch company, which Silverstein's a part hey. of. Um, cut loose merch. People can check yeah. it out for great bands uh, like Silverstein and the Flatliners and Hot Water Music and <laughs> et, cetera, et cetera. So uh yeah, that's a place to go if you're especially if you're in Canada and I see a couple yeah. people here in the chat are um that's sick. So yeah, yeah. Welcome to lockdown. It's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah so, so that's that's all really, really great stuff, man. Um, I don't know. I don't think I have too much else to, to ask you. I mean, of course, we could, we could go on and on, but uh, I really do want to thank you for taking the time. Um, Dude, anything else pleasure. to tell the people or plug or anything?
1: Not really, man. I mean, I just want to go into next year like I'm sure everyone does in a place where we can treat each other better. I think the only thing Mm -hmm. I want to plug and it's, you know, it's even more ramped up at the time of year we're recording this being the holidays and stuff, but I just want to plug human kindness and I just want to promote, I just want to promote, you know, being good to each other. And I want to go into next year, uh, you know, and do our best to, you know, give each other a break give ourselves a break. We've all been through a hell of a lot a year that, you know, for maybe guys like you and I, we, you know, a lot has changed, but still things could be a lot worse. Um, For some people out there this year, they lost a lot, you know? And uh, I think like, we got to really leave all this, we really got to do our best to leave all this negativity and and bullshit behind us. I mean, like this is the year to just dump it all. You yeah. know what I mean and start new next year, man. I mean, it. Uh, yeah, it's been it's kind of crazy to me that we're sitting here and it's just about Christmas and it still kind of to me feels like lockdown in March just happened. You know, time has moved in such a strange way this year, but yeah. so much has happened and. While it's not all bad, there has been some good that's coming this year. It's mostly bad, <laughs> so let's just let's yeah, just yeah. fucking let's just I don't know, dude. Let's light the match and burn it to the ground, and then start start right, next right. year fresh. And I just want people to be take it easy on yourselves and each other.
0: Right. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it it is it it. I, I don't I don't want to take add any negativity to your positive because that was a beautiful thing that you just said. But I think what really oh is is scary to me um and i'm just being real right now because i've been thinking about it is like i think back in march when you know we were in the middle of a tour and it got shut down and everything else you know um we figured we'd be good by like the summer and now here we are christmas time you know the new year's coming and i'm always like a big big fresh in the new year guy you know like I'll, i'll make new year's resolutions like i'll actually do that shit and i'll usually stick to them for some reason it helps me uh, you know, improve myself, but this year, man, it's, it's looking like things are worse than ever, <laughs> especially yeah. in Ontario. Numbers are so crazy. And hopefully this vaccine's a thing that happens and improves it. But like, I wish I had your positivity, but I do agree, you know, Hey, yeah. Like dump, dump your garbage now. Uh, yeah, dude. let's stay, let's keep positive and, and let's keep, um, yeah, let's keep it up and Hey, that's, that's all we right. Can do, man. Right i mean i'll be
1: honest like through you know my positivity is just it's kind of placed right on top of a pile of negativity that's (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's kind of the way i've always been you know what i mean i think it's yeah i think (laughs) that uh yeah people just got to stop fucking around people got to start wearing masks so you know i'm assuming that people listening to the podcast and and everything are fans of music so you know we want to get back out there we want to kind of you know, we want to have those magical nights yeah. again. We all do, like you know, you and I playing these shows, and folks out there going to shows. Like we all miss it, and uh, yeah, let's stop fucking around in so many ways. Yeah. Let's just leave all this shit behind.
0: Next year's a new year. I don't know. <laughs> I'm into that, know? brother. I'm into that. <laughs> no, man. Well, well, Chris, um, thank you so much. Uh, I let you go. I want to take take uh. uh I want to thank you for, for doing this. Uh, I wanna Dude, thank thanks for having me. Everybody watching on Twitch. And everybody mm-hmm. listening to the podcast whenever this is going to come out in a couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, um, happy holidays, happy new year, all that stuff.
1: You too, buddy. Thanks for having me, right, dude. It's great yeah, to you, see
0: you. You too, man. Take care. See you later. So there it is with Chris Cresswell. What a lovely gentleman. I want to thank him so much, not just for doing the podcast, but also jumping on Twitch with me because, you know, there's cameras involved and it's there's a different dimension to it as well. So him being sweet enough to do that is super, super awesome. And check out everything he's doing. All the Flatliner stuff. If you're not familiar with the band, I'm going to play a tune now. Uh, But they have so many great songs and so many great albums. And Water music too. I mean, I know you know him. I know you love him. But that's cool. He's involved with the writing process now and, and everything they're doing. So exciting times will be coming in 2021. And I just want to say again... Thank you so much for supporting the show, supporting this podcast. Even if this is your first time listening to this, that's awesome. Go back, check out the other 250 something episodes that I have. But happy new year to all my sinners worldwide. Thanks again. And I hope that uh, 2021 is great for you. You stay healthy, you stay productive, and you stay sane. I love y'all. Peace and love. And here is Hang My Head by the Flatliners on Lead Singer Syndrome. Happy New Year, everybody.